All right. Uh, let me talk a little bit about Jack Preach. I'm going to make this introduction. Um, Jack, why don't you uh, pull your camera on? There you are. Here's Jack. And uh, Jack, turn your camera on. I want everybody to see you. There you are. Man, you're a good-looking guy in the morning. Uh, uh, good morning. See what, see what Candy morning. got has to look to every morning. <laughs> she gets to look to that. Wow. Uh, Jack, you've got quite an impressive bio, graduating from the University of Pittsburgh with a degree in economics, and you've got your MBA in economics. Your MBA is in economics too, right? Uh, just general, general business administration. So at the end of this call, we could do a, a question and answer about what's going to happen economically, right? With all this debt, you can answer uh, those yeah. questions for us. <laughs> I'll talk to my financial advisor. I think he's on the call as well. <laughs> and uh, you and Candy are getting ready to celebrate 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. You know, Carolyn and I are about to break the 30 mark. And uh, so I've got a lot of respect for anybody that's married that long, man. So thank you for being a part of this morning. And uh, I, I do have a couple of other surprise guests that are gonna come on right now, turn their cameras on, and they're gonna help me formally introduce you uh, in a real personal way. Um, I'm sure you recognize these men. So uh, I'm gonna ask- Good morning, Greg, guys. I'm gonna ask Greg and Kevin to also come alongside me and introduce you. Now, guys, you might recognize Greg Snyder and Kevin Hazel because they have actually been uh, previous speakers at Ironman. And if uh, this is your first time joining Ironman, you can always go to our website, ironmanagod.com, and then just look at previous uh, messages. And then you can look for Greg Snyder and Kevin Hazel to listen to their messages as well. But Kevin and Greg worked alongside of Jack for many, many years. And uh, some of the things that I love about Jack, these men also love about Jack from a, from a benefits and, and a number of different perspectives. So I don't want to take any wind from their sales, uh, but uh, Greg, why don't you share a couple of things about uh, Jack and then uh, Kevin, then we'll, I'll close up and then Jack, the floor will be yours. Sounds good. Thank you, David. Well, good morning, David, Jack, Iron Man, Kevin. Um, I've known Jack for decades. We worked together and shared more than our fair share of coffees as we talked about work and life and our faith. And the two things I most appreciated about Jack was his ability to take complex topics like the Siemens Comp and Benefit System <laughs> and not only simplify them for the non-HR comp person like myself, but share what he thought was important. He had done the research, he had done the deep thinking, and was more than willing to share his thoughts with his peers, his internal customers, his bosses, anyone that was interested and could benefit from his work. And the second thing I appreciate, appreciate by Jack now and appreciated then when we were working together was his view, like mine, like all of us should be, that loving God and loving your neighbor is not just for weekends and not for church, but it's for the workplace, the home, and the world. He acted like a follower of Christ, not only with his temperament and helping attitude at work, but he also helped others think about life's priorities. And he was open about sharing what he did with his time, talents, and treasures outside of work, both locally and internationally. Uh, David could go through a long bio of all the things he's done locally in terms of using his, his talents on boards and internationally in Uganda, but we won't go into that. But trust me, there's lots to Jack. And uh, let me hand, before I go any deeper, let me hand off to my, uh, our friend, Kevin Hazel. 
Kevin, I think your phone is on mute there. Still on mute. I think it's just a te <laughs> technical difficulty, uh, David. It looks like his phone is unmuted, but we're not able to hear him. Well, let's see. I know that uh, Kevin actually sent me what he wanted to say about Jack. So let me pull that up. I'd, I'd rather hear it from Kevin. It's so much better. <laughs> Kevin, would you be all right if I uh, if I read it since I can't hear you? And then you can just lip sync it. <laughs> all right. Kevin says, because uh, if, if he comes on, then Kevin says, um, Good morning, men. I believe the Lord has something special for us today. I first met Jack many years ago when I was working at Westinghouse and then Siemens Power Generation. Um, it was a time when human resource departments were melting away in favor of off-site central services, and then even worse, the dreaded HR websites. It was also, it was also a time when my job and HR were increasing in complexity, both as a group manager and personally. Friends, friends inside of Siemens said, quote, go see Jack. About 45 minutes later, I calmly left Jack's office. Sure, only that he knew, sure, only that he knew his stuff and that and would be friends. Um, Jack is a lot like the best people that you know, an amalgamation of positive traits that you will want to emulate. He has the demeanor of a priest, the wisdom of a college professor, and the integrity of Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, and a faith in our Lord that drips into his conversation like honey in, on a donut. He is both and simultaneously a teacher and a servant and a mentor and a friend. Please welcome him and respond to his message. Um, yeah, so that was Kevin's heart. Uh, wow. Jack, I, I also have not only heard from men like Kevin and Greg over the years, but there's several men that are on this call that you have impacted in their life. And I know that when life would get complicated inside of Siemens, a lot of people would come to your office and you're famous for taking the complex and making it simple. And you're famous for your whiteboard in your office where you would create visual pictures of taking complicated things and making them simple. So there's a lot of people at Siemens and I'm sure around your community and around your church that respect the heck out of you, Jack. And so Ironman is privileged to host you this morning. So with that, I give you Jack Preach. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Kevin, for joining me. Wow, thank you, everybody. What a uh, wonderful introduction. I so appreciate the words. Uh, uh, yeah, I have such fond memories of those those many years of working with uh, with with all of you, and I I know there's other people that we work with as well uh, on the on the phone, but uh, but it's great to be with all of you. I uh, a special shout out to all of the people from Ironman. I had a chance to be with you in person back in uh, January when this speaking series kicked off on the 12 core virtues of, of West. Um, I, my wife and I moved to uh, Lakewood Ranch over in the Sarasota-Bradenton area last year, 
And so uh, I felt like I was going to work again because I had to get up at about 3 a.m. in order to make it over there for the, uh, for the early start. But what a wonderful day that was. And uh, <clears throat> it was great hearing the message from uh, Pat Williams at the time. And uh, the, uh, the talks this year are based upon that book, uh, Character Carved in Stone by, by Pat Williams. And uh, I'll be speaking about uh, chapter five, which is in his book uh, that he entitles Dignity, Every Inch a Soldier. And um, it, it's a great book. With us having a lot more time inside these days, um, uh, it might be one that you want to add to your list. Uh, Pat goes into great detail about many of the graduates uh, at West Point. In chapter five, he talks about General John Pershing who was a graduate back, I think, in 1886. And uh, I won't go into a lot of detail on, on that, but uh, the title was, is Dignity Every Inch a Soldier. And, uh, and Pat talks about how General Pershing uh, was just revered by, by his, his men. And uh, uh, they were the ones that, that gave him that title, uh, Dignity. And he said, every inch of me was a soldier. And I think that's what we're called to do in our, our faith walk as well. Um, I appreciate uh, Kurt, your opening words and uh, very touching as well about all that's going on uh, in our lives and our families and our country and the world and uh, uh, needing that, 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 that touch from God, that, uh, that power. And um, so, uh, so it's an honor to be here today. Uh, in addition to the folks with uh, Iron Man, um, I, uh, great to see uh, some names there for people that I work with. Uh, there's some uh, family and friends as well. And I think there are even a few Iron Women that might be signing on today. I know my wife's listening in the other room. So it's great to have everybody, uh, everybody here. So thank you all very much and appreciate you getting up so early. So, a little background about myself. As David said, uh, my wife Candy and I will be celebrating our, our uh, 40th anniversary later this year. And it's, it's hard to believe that uh, time has passed that much and, uh, uh, and that I'm retired already. Um, but hopefully in that time, we've gone through some experiences that will relate to today's topic on, uh, on dignity. And um, so, uh, We'll do that, we'll go through that. I'm originally from, from Pittsburgh, and back in 1998, I ended up moving to uh, Orlando with uh, my company, Westinghouse at the time. And uh, we later became Siemens, a German company, and uh, had an opportunity for a lot of international travel. And it was great working with many of you and doing that. Uh, I was blessed to be able to retire back in uh, 2015, and now, um, moved over to a 55 and above community here in Lakewood Ranch. And we're blessed and a few of our friends around here as well. It's a very welcoming community and uh, everybody oriented to connecting and, uh, and uplifting each other. We have one son, Chris, uh, married to a lovely young lady, Ashley. And uh, they live near many of you in Ocoee, Florida. My plan was for us to drive to Ocoee and uh, uh, shuttle on over to the coffee shop this morning to talk with you. So the drive wasn't as long. But one amusing side note, when, uh, when we moved to Lakewood Ranch, uh, Chris and Ashley lived in Clearwater. And uh, 
So we were very, very happy that rather than our two and a half hour commute, that we only had 50 minutes. Nine days after we moved to Lakewood Ranch, uh, Chris ended up getting a new position with his company. And guess where his territory is? Yeah, Orlando. So we basically swapped sides of the state. And I'm very pleased that I get to traverse Interstate 4 again. So hopefully someday the construction will end. But uh, it may give me an opportunity to get back to Ironman when we you know, go live and in person again. So our topic for today is dignity, every inch soldier. And um, as we explore this topic of dignity, I'd like to focus on three things. First, what is dignity? Um, talk a little, a little bit about the definition of that. Uh, secondly, how we as individuals can enhance and uplift the dignity of others. And then finally, I'd like to share with you three things that were impressed upon me uh, uh, as I was preparing this talk related to the faith journey that Candy and I <clears throat> have been walking for the past uh, 40 years. So let's start with dignity, what it is. So I, I looked around a little bit for some definitions, some background information as I was preparing uh, the talk. And early on in the search results, when you Google the word, um, is an article from Psychology Today by a PhD by the name of Donna Hicks. And she goes into some, some good detail. The, the title of the article is, What is the Real Meaning of Dignity? And, um, but I really liked the definition that she came up with. And, and she made an observation that with people that she uh, researched this with, uh, they pretty much had a hard time defining what dignity was. They thought that they knew what it was, but uh, she consolidated all of that and uh, definition she came up with is that dignity is our inherent value and worth as human beings and that everybody is born with it. And she contrasts this with respect, she says, is earned. And that makes sense. That makes sense. And it aligns pretty well with what we hear elsewhere, uh, certainly in the Bible, as early as Genesis chapter 1, where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And in Psalm 8, where it says, you have made, <clears throat> excuse me, you have made him little less than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. But I really like what is in Ephesians chapter 2, because it tells us how God felt about us. That verse says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there's a plan for us. We're called to act in some way, to do something, to make some kind of a difference. And back to the article from Donna Hicks, uh, she concludes that as well. She said, all of us have a deep need to be treated as something of value. And when we go out and do that, when we strengthen the dignity of others, we end up enhancing the dignity for ourselves as well. <clears throat> I'd like to tell you a story about um, soon after I arrived here in, uh, in Lakewood Ranch. As I said, the, the people here are very welcoming and engaging. And uh, one of the friends that, that I met uh, invited Candy and me to work uh, and help out at the local Bradenton Soup Kitchen. And so I had always been wanting to do that. Uh, and we finally agreed and, uh, and joined him. I think the soup kitchen serves over 200 meals uh, each, each day. 
And uh, so we had the opportunity to participate in that. The first time we were back in the kitchen and could only look through the, the serving window. But the second time, I actually got out there with the people and um, got an opportunity to talk with them. And you could really almost see their life story written on their faces and their countenance and all. And uh, a number of them uh, I, I know were homeless. And it really struck me how differently I saw the people. Because if I would see these people in the street, I would dare to say that they would be invisible to me. I probably would not have engaged or talked. But yet when they were in there and with me, they were very engaging and they were thankful to me for the little thing that we ended up doing. And it just always reminds me to keep an open eye for the people that we encounter. And Kurt's opening words just echo so strongly with that right now. I had a friend call me yesterday uh, who I haven't heard from in probably a month. And you could tell the quakiness in his voice. And um, we talked. We talked for probably close to an hour. And um, I sensed a, a little searching there. And it was an opportunity as well to share, to share some of the promises that we stand on. And uh, I think that's what is dawning on me a lot right now is the need that people have out there and the opportunity that we have to make sure that people aren't invisible to us. Uh, so a positive word, a phone call, or maybe just listening to somebody fully with our heart uh, is just what a person needs. Each of us today here has many roles in life, and it's through those roles that we really have an opportunity to respect and enhance the dignity of the people who we encounter. Uh, we're all sons, a few daughters as well when we call, and um, uh, have parents who have helped mold us into who we are today. And sometimes in life we're asked to continue that help and assistance uh, in their later years. I know when we moved to Florida, uh, my mother moved down with us. And early on, she was very vibrant. She was able to drive. She was able to be independent, take care of herself. And, um, but as the years went on, um, she lost some of that mobility. And you think of that dignity that we talked about back in Genesis 1 and uh, Psalm, Psalm 8, I think it was, and what was placed in us. And then people begin to, uh, to have some issues. And I think we have the opportunity as individuals to lift up and enhance that dignity, to sort of restore them to where God placed them and continue that journey. And I will be forever thankful to my wife, Candy, for what she did in uh, supporting my mother. Candy is a, is, is a nurse, a retired nurse. I tease her sometimes that she thought RN was retired nurse. But she had a wonderful career. Um, but, but she spent the time giving and ministering to my mother and uh, respecting that dignity that God placed within our birth. Some of us are husbands and have that special soulmate to journey with in life. Uh, I love David's open, opening comments. Um, we uh, have opportunities as, uh, as spouses to uh, continually uplift and enhance and support. I mean, this is a person who knows you better than anybody in the entire world, who knows all the nooks and crannies and things like that. 
and especially at times like this that are going on right now, uh, it's, it's a special blessing for someone like that in your life. Uh, some of us are fathers and experience the, the miracle of a new life coming into, into your family. Uh, we're managers, we're employees, uh, so many different things. And some people we don't know, like my experience at the soup kitchen. Uh, through all of these roles, we have the opportunity to influence others, to respect their dignity, and to show them love and hope. And one of the things that I really appreciate at Ironman, I, I was at, again, one session um, in person, but I've watched a number of talks as well. And you are blessed with not only excellent speakers, but you have pastors and teachers as well. And so you're very blessed to have people that can uh, bring the faith and the word and, and, and God's message to you. And I love what you've done as well with the breakout sessions and things like that. I'd like to share with you a personal story about two of the roles that, uh, that I have, that of husband and father. But first, if I were to ask uh, those of you who are married to describe your wife to me, you might hear things like, she's from Iowa. She's one of nine children. She's a nurse. She loves to garden. And every one of those statements is true about my wife, Candy, but they can't begin to touch who she is as a person, back to that dignity and what God placed in her. And if I had to look for a statement that would align with those deeper things that are embedded right here, one would be being a mother. And from early on, uh, we wanted a family. Candy and I were married at the age of 25. Again, she's one of nine kids, I'm one of three. I was thinking that uh, uh, three would be a, a, a nice level, but little did we know that we would have uh, a challenge even in having the one that we had. We had difficulty becoming pregnant, but finally after several years of marriage, uh, Candy and I were expecting, and we were ecstatic. Uh, I can imagine with, after two years of, of struggling and going through that, your hopes are up. Nine months later will be the answer to all of our, our concerns. But uh, right around the three month part, uh, Mark, we ended up having problems. Candy was hospitalized. We found that she was soon, uh, she was miscarried. Uh, we did miscarry the child and were uh, extremely disappointed uh, to the point of devastated even. Uh, but we, we picked ourselves up, uh, we went back on living and tried again, and it was never easy for us to, uh, to, uh, to get pregnant. But finally, after another year, year and a half, uh, we were expecting for the second time. Made it through the first few months, only to miscarry again around the third month. So we went through the cycle again, picked ourselves up. Went back to trying, we, after another year, year and a half, uh, we're expecting again. Uh, and here we are now, about five years into our marriage and going through this. And, um, you know, I think it, it, nothing compared to what we're going through today with the pandemic, but a sustained period of that over about five years puts a little bit of a strain, but uh, you can escape and escape into other things, but, but you're there and you try to do the best you can to support each other. So 
we were expecting for the third time. And uh, again, we encountered problems uh, about the same, same time. But this time it happened at home. And uh, Candy woke me up in the middle of the night. She had intense stomach pains. And uh, we found that uh, she miscarried right there at home. And she was holding right before her, our, our little baby. You could see was about an inch and a half long. You could see the arms, you could see the legs, you could see the internal organs. And we later found that, um, that she was a girl. What, what do you do? What do you do when you're holding your child like that? We were, we were devastated. We cried, we hurt. It took us a long time to be able to move on. But God was doing something in us. God was working on us during this time to trust him more deeply and completely. And while it was hard getting there, we knew that we had no other choice but God. We had been to every doctor. We had every oscopy and ectomy and every test imaginable, and there was no hope there. Uh, we were continuing to go, go through this. And so we felt a special calling to search for God in a deeper manner. And uh, all our life, we had been going to church regularly. We were active in ministries, but we began a, a deeper faith journey and tried our best to follow where God was leading us. We began attending a, a prayer group, and I, it was one I think that one of Candy's sisters had actually attended. I found out later on that it was a charismatic prayer group. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, it's a very expressive group and they pray with hands uplifted and uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'll admit when I arrived to begin with, I was a little bit uncomfortable because that wasn't how I traditionally experienced uh, prayer. But I got to the point where it became comfortable. And you know, it really dawned on me. Why is it that I can go to a football game on the weekend and lift my hands and go, go Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm, and I'm uncomfortable with that when I'm raising my hands in thanks and praise to Almighty God. And I became comfortable with that and soon loved being a part of that group. It was a very special, prayerful time, blessed with anointing and, 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 and power. And um, again, I started with wide eyes wondering why I was there and ended up being able to lift my hands in thanks and praise to God, who I knew cared about me more than I could imagine. As we healed from that third miscarriage, we had a freedom that we really didn't experience before. We got to the point where we could abandon our pain to God. And what Candy and I committed to with God was that we wanted his will for our life and that we wanted to follow him more closely, and that if we were blessed with another pregnancy, whatever happened, as long as we were with him, we were fine and accepted. So we went on living, praying, trusting, and he got pregnant for a fourth time and miscarried once again. Although we were tremendously disappointed, there was, there was a peace about us that, uh, that we didn't have before. We continued, uh, we were trusting God for the answer. And we continued to pray, to read the Bible, to attend our prayer group, to do what we could and leave the rest in God's hands. So we were blessed with a fifth pregnancy and now we're, I think, 
probably seven years into our marriage. And again, imagine seven years of this and the constant ups and downs and things like that. And I know many of you have experienced this as well. As well. Uh, I know some have had very similar situations that are, are seared into you and are defining moments that, that have you search for something. And uh, fortunately, God was knocking on the heart and saying, I'm here. I think I'm here for you. Um, so we were blessed with that fifth pregnancy. We got past the fourth month into the fifth, sixth, seventh. In the eighth month, Candy developed uh, toxemia. And um, she was uh, hospitalized, uh, but baby was far enough along uh, that they were able to deliver. We had a healthy, happy, normal baby, and he's now 31 years old and living right next door to many of you in the public community. So praise God, we are so thankful for, for that. We had one more miscarriage after that, the sixth pregnancy, but we thank God for our miracle. And not only that, but what God did in our lives of bringing us closer to him. So back to dignity. When you think of the role of a husband in uplifting the dignity of his wife, there was never a time that was more important for that for, for me than during the miscarriages. As a guy, I wanted to fix everything and develop a plan to go on living. And I had to chuckle, Greg, with uh, what you said in your introduction about knowing the details and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes that can be used to a little excess. And... Uh, that probably happened to a degree here. Certainly we need to plan, and Candy and I did. We had plans in place for adoption, and we would have welcomed an adopted child with as much love as our own. Uh, but uh, Chris came along when, uh, when we were in the middle of adoption, and uh, we proceeded that way. But during times like this, it was important to connect with my wife at a much deeper level and realize that she didn't need for me to explain the logic of the situation or the detail to move on with our lives. I think she knew all of that. What she wanted was for me to hold her, to listen to her, even if I couldn't solve the problem. I did that, but not as well as I could. Candy shared with me that apparently I did this one time in later years where uh, I did use those words, and and I say this for all of you guys out there too. That uh, what what really touched me is when she said, um, "I know you don't understand what I'm going through, but I appreciate that you're there and you have my back and you're listening." And that can mean the world of difference to somebody. I don't necessarily understand, but I'm there for you. I'll pray for you. Call me at any time. Just like Kurt said. If you have a problem at three in the morning, I'll be there. I'm on your side. As for our story, I would never choose to go through what we went through, but I would never give up what we got as a result of that. Yes, we ended up a miracle, ended up with a miracle in our son, Chris, but we got so much more than that. God took us on what arguably is the longest journey, and I'm sure you've heard that before, the one from the head to the heart. Bible came alive to us. It was no longer just a book of stories that you hear on a Sunday or during your personal Bible time or study time. It was God speaking to us, his promise to us, not only in our tears and our sorrow and our pain, but also in every step 
we take in every day of our life. As all of us go through our own personal faith journey, I'm sure many of you have, all of you, have stories like that about what you've gone through. And I'm sure you would be able to uh, expound on this topic of dignity with your own life experiences. And I think that's what happens. I think God takes us through that life journey. And uh, what I'd like to do is, is share with you three things that, that I think God placed upon my heart as I was preparing this talk that sort of define the faith journey for Candy and me. And what I'd encourage you to do is as I'm going through this, uh, maybe make a mental note of what those two or three items would be for you. And I, and I say this for a couple reasons. Um, you never know when you're gonna get that phone call at 3 a.m. or somebody is in need. And it, it has been helpful for me, I've seen as I've been going through this talk, to have those thoughts um, about that faith journey to be able to share. And perhaps for many of us, I'm sure it's so deeply ingrained that we can do it even without them. So there I go preparing again. So let me share with you again, the three things that, uh, that uh, defined our faith journey. I think the first one is to follow God's path for your life, not someone else's path. When I look at Candy and I, we are wired very, very differently. I tend to volunteer and like to be in the middle of things. And perhaps sometimes that has been a little too much to where I have not had as much time at home and I need to have that. And in fact, that's one of the things that we tried to focus on as we moved over here to Lakewood Ranch is to have that, that balance as well. Candy's connections tend to be more one-on-one -on -one. And also she has a strong heart for praying and for intercessory prayer for, for people, for people we know who need prayer for, uh, for the world as well. And I admire that. She is a, a shining example to me of what a prayer warrior is all about. I remember and a uh, number of times when I had some challenges at work and when I'd give her a call at lunchtime and talk to her, I'd say, were you praying for me this morning? And she'd say, yes. And I told her I could actually feel it. It was that tangible to me. So we've talked about this from time to time and how we've been called in different ways. And we sometimes comment on how we wish we could be more like each other. And the conversation then goes to the point of, of saying, hold back on that a little bit. Because I think that our calling and you've heard this before many times, I'm sure, is that our calling is related to our gifts. And doesn't that make sense? God puts the gifts in us, and then the calling is related to that. And one of the things that I would encourage all of us to do is to listen to where people encourage you, because sometimes we're blind a little bit to our, our gifts. And it's through other people sometimes that you get that encouragement in terms of where you might focus some attention. So it's something to contemplate, pray about, and then uh, go from there. There's a very interesting passage in the book of Acts on this that I wanted to share with you. You'll remember uh, the, uh, the part in Acts 1 where the disciples, the apostles, are looking for a replacement for Judas. And uh, they had two candidates. And the passage goes like this in Acts 1. 
At that, they nominated two, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. The choice fell to Matthias, who was added to the 11 apostles. So the logical storyline here is to follow Matthias, right? He was chosen. His name is now inscribed. I think in the book of Revelation, it talks about the heavenly Jerusalem coming down and the names of the apostles inscribed on the walls. Matthias is there. It's basically God's dream team, right? He's there. But I was wondering when I when I read this one time, what happened to the other guy, Joseph Barsabbas? And I'm not aware of any other references to him in the Bible, but I looked around and researched it a little bit. And sure enough, a number of people were wondering the same thing and actually had written up on that. And a number of them were just commentaries on uh, what it's like to finish second, what we should do about that and all. But a couple people actually researched the historical perspective on it and found that Joseph Barsabbas actually was bishop of an important city back in biblical times. So the point is, when he wasn't selected for the dream team, let's call it, uh, he didn't give up. He continued to follow Jesus in the path that he was called for. The second thing that we learned in our faith journey was to be willing to be called outside your comfort zone if God is calling you there. And you've probably heard it said, we all know the story about sailors aren't made in the harbor, they're made out in the deep. Now that doesn't mean that they hop in the boat, go out in the deep and learn there, but they have the fundamentals, they learn you know, with, with the books and inland and practice in the harbor and all of that. And then when they go out into the deep, they're prepared. And I think the same is true for our spiritual journey as well. When we go out and have those difficult times, it is very helpful to know how to sail before you get out there. And that's where our faith journey comes in and our, our time with God and reading the Bible and being steeped in the word so that you're prepared when you get out into those rough waters. So this happened for Candy and me, walking outside the comfort zone early on in our marriage. It may have been at the prayer group that we attended. I don't remember where, but we, we heard a lot about tithing and um, talked about that. And as we did, we felt in a way that we were called to that. And um, as we talked about that, and being early on in the marriage, that's where sometimes, right, outgo is more than income. And we afford to do this. Well, we decided to do it and made the commitment to do so. And you remember the passage in Luke chapter six, where it says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will they pour into the fold of your garment? That's God's promise to us. I think our responsibility in that, as we would do that, is to make sure that our giving is from the heart. And since we began tithing, and I know many of you do that as well and can attest to this as well, that you've experienced countless blessings but perhaps one of the most poignant blessings to that is that it portrays God's promises to you in a different light. Because again, when it's something that you read that you haven't experienced firsthand, uh, you, you put faith in that. But it's something else when you've experienced firsthand and you've done that and you've taken that step and you know that those promises are real. So a second example of stepping outside the comfort zone, I think is related to a, 
a calling that was placed on, on the hearts of Candy and me. And with our experience in trying to have a child, you might expect that, um, that life has really been impressed upon us, the value of a, of a child and the sanctity of life in just a very profound way. Uh, perhaps because of that, we felt to participate in the pro-life movement and in pro-life vigils. And we do that even, even to today. And that's an area where you encounter people that don't always agree with you. When I go to church on Sunday, I can fully expect that everybody around me is going to feel the same way and that I won't be challenged about my faith. When we go out on these prayer vigils, uh, that's not always the case. And early on, I was concerned as we did that about uh, what if somebody challenges me? What if, uh, what if somebody sees me? But you take that step in faith. And I remember the, the passage in Acts where the disciples talked about leaving the Sanhedrin full of joy because they had been judged worthy of persecution for the sake of the name. And as I read that after we did that, that passage lit up for me on how you can have joy when you're in a difficult situation because you know you're doing something that God has called you to. So my point in all of this is that if you feel the call from God to do something that is outside your comfort zone, and maybe it's something that's touched you today in one of the messages that you've heard from, from Kurt or from, from anybody else, is that it may be something to pray about. And I found that if God wants you in a certain place, he'll give you this. The third thing I learned and am still learning is uh, the principle of abandonment. And I heard a good example on that uh, from uh, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, how does this fit in? You're probably wondering. But <clears throat> for those of you who are football fans, you may remember a few years ago when the Green Bay Packers were not firing on all cylinders. I think they were in a mid-year slump. And the sports reporters, <clears throat> excuse me, sports reporters were asking them, asking Aaron Rodgers uh, what was going on. So he could have gone through any number of answers that, uh, uh, that you typically hear. Uh, we're focusing more on the fundamentals, on blocking, tackling. We put some new plays in and things of that sort, but he didn't. And many of you know what he said. He came back with one word and it was relax, relax. That doesn't mean that they would forego the fundamentals. I think what Rogers was saying is we got it covered. And I think that's true for our spiritual life too, particularly for someone like me who tends to be very organized, detail-oriented, and uh, follows that continually down the road. Yes, I need the dedicated prayer time and studying God's word, but I think I also need to relax more, not in a worldly sense, but in a godly sense. Do your best, relax, the typical let go and let God. And there are two examples of abandonment that I would like to share with you. The first is from a book uh, that many of you may have. It's called God Calling by A.J. Russell. And it's one of those day-at-a-glance books where they have a passage for each day of the year. And I'd like to read to you the passage from February 18th. And it talks about that type of confident prayer that, that, that pleases God. And it's the prayer from a child. And here's what the passage says. 
It is not passionate appeal that gains the divine ear so much as the quiet placing of the difficult and worry in the divine hands. So trust and be no more afraid than a child would who places its tangled ball of wool in the hands of a loving mother and runs out to play, pleasing the mother all the more by its unquestioning confidence than if it went down on its knees and implored her help, which would pain her as it would imply she was not eager to help when help was needed. <clears throat> Another great example of abandonment comes uh, in the Bible, in the first chapter of Luke, when Mary says to the angel, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me as you say. And what a beautiful example of trusting God and yielding to his plan. In that same spirit of faith and abandonment, I'd like to read a, a prayer to you. It was written by someone, Charles D. Foucault, F-O-U-C-A-L-D, and it's called the Prayer of Abandonment. I prayed this prayer at different points of my life with different degrees of uh, confidence, sometimes wondering what I was opening myself up to, at other times supremely confident of uh, all that God provides and does for us. I'd like to read this prayer now for each of you and, uh, and for me, that we may confidently fall into the arms of our Father. The prayer goes like this. <clears throat> Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all and I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord, and so I need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. When I was with you in January, this is where my talk would have ended. Within a few weeks after I attended the January Ironman presentation, we were hit with some challenging news. Uh, after an appointment with her doctor, um, Candy had a sonogram done. And um, the, uh, we had an appointment scheduled, but the doctor said, please speed that up, you need to come in earlier. She found a mass on her uterus and from similar situations she was concerned about cancer. So we went through the normal human emotions, but even so we, we prayed, we looked for God's promises. And very quickly our family and our friends lifted us up just as all of you do at Ironman. It's just such a, a beautiful network that you have and a beautiful ministry that you have and being there and lifting each other up. God also showed us that as we learn to walk with him, in addition to leaning on his word, we can appropriate it to address what is facing us. So we began with Ephesians 6:17, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And we used that sword to actively address what was facing us. And a number of God's promises um, were, were especially uh, dear to us, but three in particular, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Isaiah 54.17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. 
in Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. We're so thankful to God for the prayers that we received, uh, for the support and uh, for his continual calling and, and sustenance. And we're also very thankful that after the surgery, uh, Candy had a complete healing health. Through this most recent challenge, I'm reminded that uh, our faith journey is never really I think God is continually calling all of us, you and me, to a deeper trust in him and to a deeper relationship. And I'd like to close with a, a beautiful quote from St. Augustine that talks about this faith journey and, and, and where, where we all go on these journeys. He captured it by saying this, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure and to find him the greatest human achievement. I wish you a happy journey in your faith life. And before we end, what I'd like to do is to give you something. Um, Mike, would you put up a copy of the book, please? I had the privilege of um, uh, one, uh, the next one, a couple down. There you go. I had the privilege of <clears throat> uh, writing this book with a very good friend of mine, Father Charles Nabwana. Father Charles is a Catholic priest from uh, Uganda, and I met him when he was assigned to uh, the States at a, and we were visiting a church that he was attending. He's a very gracious and engaging man, and uh, before long found myself on his advisory committee. And uh, Father Charles is doing what, uh, you've probably heard about this before from Greg Snyder with Prince of Peace and what they're doing in Guatemala to try to make a difference for uh, the poor there, the, the girls who are impacted. And it's the same thing here in Uganda, um, the, the, the poverty rate and the devastation is severe in some areas. Uh, this ministry is located in a district called Kibale, K-I-B-A-L-E, which is one of the poorest uh, in Uganda. And back in 2010, Father Charles opened what he calls the Home of the Holy Angels with 25 children. And it's now grown to the point of having 200 children under his care, probably closer to 240 when you look uh, at uh, secondary school. So um, he has uh, put this in place, and it just reminds me of what we talked about at the beginning, where God has placed in us that special dignity. And for some people in life, that path toward wholeness uh, gets off track. And I think, you know, I heard it said one time, God doesn't always send an angel. Sometimes he asks us to be that angel. And through the efforts that Greg had uh, with Prince of Peace and what Father Charles is doing here, uh, it, it is that opportunity to bridge the gap and to help restore that dignity <clears throat> that, uh, that God placed in these children at their birth. So um, could you go to the next page, Mike? So this is how you can get a copy of the book. If you could write down this the website, this is the website for the ministry, helpkabale.org. And uh, you can access the book at the link that's at the bottom of the page. And Mike will show you the next slide on where to find that.
So it says Home of the Holy Angels book. So there's where you can find it. I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. It's a very, very <clears> quick read. And um, I hope you enjoyed the story. Look around on the website. And if any of you are interested in the ministry in, in any way or have any questions, uh, there is an email link in the contact. If uh, you'd like to get in touch with me as well, uh, the leadership team can certainly um, uh, connect and get you contact information. Thank you all. Great being with you. Bless you. Jack, thank you so much for this morning, brother. Appreciate uh, you, your impact on my life in particular, and so many of the other men that I see on this list. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of Siemens guys that are on this list this morning. So appreciate the impact that you've had on me. And I, I love what you said um, about husband and father. And that, that question, how do you describe your wife? You know, I guess it depends on the day. But <laughs> but I, I would like to be able to describe my wife as a giving person. And there, there's so much that I've learned from my wife and her family over the years related to giving to others. And the, the, I want to pull up a slide that you I'm going to leave the guys with. And uh, you can if, you, if you'd like, Jack, you can bring down your your camera. Um, but thank you so much for this morning, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, Mike, go right to the last slide, because in the in the sake of time, I know we're a little bit over on the time here. A few years ago, I went out and saw Jack, and I brought this concept related to husband, father, and and uh, loving our wives. And I shared with him that my wife spells love, and your wife spells love, and he echoed it, T-I-M-E. And so Jack actually put this PowerPoint together for me after I sat down and shared with him. Uh, this process. And for those of you guys, you could take a screenshot of this if you're on an iPad or an iPhone or whatnot. Uh, but this was just a helpful reminder and a process for, for me. And I appreciate Jack actually putting this into a, a PowerPoint. But T, if we could spend 10 to 20 minutes a day of, and this actually, I was thinking about this as Jack was presenting, this is a wonderful process in staying connection with God also. You know, that 10 to 20 minutes a day, whether I do it on my phone with my bride, or whether I, I'm sitting in just in a quiet moment with God. Uh, if you did that every day, that's 365 touch points with your bride. The I invests in a weekly date night. If it shows up here, men, more than likely it's going to happen. An M is a monthly getaway. For those of us that are on the call that are already successfully rewired or retired, and uh, you've got flexibility. A monthly getaway is nice and then escape annually for one week no kids no noise i know some of you guys got young kids and that's crazy but um this has been a, a good formula and i appreciate jack actually crystallizing that so thank you jack for this morning thank you men that you've joined let me close this in prayer and um you guys go out and make an impact god thank you so much for men like jack in my life and i thank you so much for other men like kevin and greg and kurt and uh, I love how Kurt started this meeting with um, just being stuck in a ditch. And I remember there's been a few of those moments in my own life where I feel like I've been stuck in a ditch. And uh, I remember one time where I actually did have to call my dad. And uh, Father, there's many of us, men, that feel that, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's dealing with a tragic loss. Uh, God, these are the moments where we have the opportunity just to reach out to you and to reach out to other men. And God, I pray for each man that's on this call, no matter where he is in his stage of his relationship with you, 
God, that you would just make yourself known to him in, in an amazing way. I thank you for uh, Jack, and I thank you for his family. Thank you for Candy. Thank you for Chris and his bride. I pray that you would just give them a special blessing and for all the time that he spent just getting prepared for today. Thank you again for Mike and Doc who host this Ironman virtual. I pray that you bless them as well. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.